Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with every one of you. And I want to share uh, a verse or series of verses from Ephesians in chapter 2 and continue yet further these insights that we're seeking to have concerning the radical grace of God. And this is in Ephesians in chapter 2 and in verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And my launching pad is that last verse, verse 10, uh, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, it's a summary that, that, that verse, it comes to the end of that long thought that began in chapter 1, verse 1, goes all the way through, and in verse 10, he sort of draws the line. That's the summary uh, of everything that's gone before. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And hopefully I'll get to show you what that means. But first of all, that's a, a tremendous statement. It's talking about you and me. And please understand that. We, we're not talking some uh, unrelated theology here that's just to uh, pet your brain and put books on shelves. No, this is talking about you, talking about me, and talking about us in terms of our daily life. In fact, in this verse it says um, about the good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it's the Greek word that we've referenced before, which actually means to walk around and about. Uh, it, it means as you go to the shopping mall, as you go to the school, as you go to work, as you're here and you're there and you get in the car and you go here and you go there, just walking around and about and going here and there 
That's when all of this fantastic stuff takes place in the everyday. Okay, that, that's, let's make sure we understand that as we look at this. But it says, we are his workmanship. Fantastic. We are his workmanship. Uh, workmanship, it, it means a work of art. Um, it means something that an individual creates. Uh, the actual Greek word there is the word from which we get our word poem. So you could actually say that we are God's poem, but it, it goes beyond that. Work of art, it could be in the area indeed of words, poem, novel, you, you're, you're his book, or it could be in the realm of carpentry. You, you are the piece of furniture. You are the, the skill of, of the carpenter to put it all together and make it. Uh, you, you are the stone, and he's the sculptor. You're his piece of art. You're the paints and the canvas, and, and he's the artist. You see what this means. And we could keep going. The, the skill, the, the skill of a person to an applying that skill and they bring forth a, a work of art. That's, that's the word to you are God's work of art. You, you, when, when he's done his work, he stands back and he looks at you. You're his work of art and he's showing you off. He's put you on exhibition, it says so that the, all ages might see this working of his grace in you. That's it, work of art. Now, now think about that, um, the work of art. See, you'd have to think about it quite a bit, actually, because uh, artists and skilled persons of this nature are getting fewer and fewer. And I only say that in order to define the word, not to put down others. We live where we live, and that's it. That's it. But we don't see many artists and skilled persons that come up with workmanship. We don't. No, no longer. It used to be when you bought furniture, someone had lovingly planed the wood and, and chiseled it until the joints fitted exactly together. And, and, and you knew that what you got had been made by a human being and a human being who was a master of his craft and, and had carefully, lovingly made that piece of furniture. And then he had painted and put a sheen upon it and, and presented it to you, proud of his work. We don't have that. You see, this word does not mean that stuff that's made with pressed wood, press board. You know that stuff? You bring it into the house and it stinks for the first week anyway because it's all chemicals and it's all bits of stuff pushed together and it, it was done by a machine the only part a human being had in it was someone who was trained to press a button uh, and and then uh, you know you look at the furniture that you you get and 
most of it's made by a machine, robotic machine, and then the machine cuts it and puts it, and uh, and there's no more skilled labor. So it, it's hard for us in this 21st century where we sit to think of this. Okay, put it like this. I, I was visiting, I was in Zimbabwe in Africa, and I was visiting the Victoria Falls. There was magnificent falls, wonders of the world, and, and it's deep in the jungle, and, and you just come upon it in, in the jungle, and there is a hotel sitting in the middle of the jungle to have the guests who come to see the falls, and I would go from the hotel down this narrow winding jungle path to see the falls from various angles. I was there for three days. And on the first day, as I was going down this winding path overgrown with vines, and I came upon this little chap. He could be no more than nine or ten years old, and he was sitting cross-legged on the side of the road, and he had a big chunk of wood and, and a, a little penknife, and he was cutting at the wood and chipping at it. And I, I asked him, because they speak some sort of English there, and, and I said, what are you doing? And he said uh, he was making an elephant. And interesting, it just looked like a chunk of wood, and he had an old penknife. And then I, I spent my time at the falls. I came back, he was still there. And the piece of wood was beginning, just beginning to take shape. And the next morning when I went down the same path, uh, there he was, only now it was really beginning to take shape. And I was amazed at the shape it was taking. And as I came back, he, he said to me, you buy, you buy my elephant. He said, it will be ready tomorrow. And he says, you, you, you buy my elephant. Uh, and he wanted 10 Zimbabwe dollars, which is probably worth less than a dime. But um, I, I, I really didn't. I, I said, you know, I, I'm, I've got my bags packed and I'm ready to go back to the States. And the next morning, I, and there it was, and he was just putting finishing touches, just a chip here and a chip there. This, this nine, ten-year-old little chap had made this elephant that, that had every fold and the trunk and the eyes, and it was a magnificent piece of work, all piece of wood and a penknife and a nine-year-old kid, and, and I, I bought it from him. I couldn't resist. This was too incredible. And I went on uh, at another time to India, and in India they were offering me an elephant. Oh, it looks so perfect, so perfect. And, and as I turned it upside down, there it was, made in China. Oh dear, I didn't want it. That, that, was, that, that had been made by a machine, you see. Workmanship was sitting cross-legged in Zimbabwe by Victoria Falls with a penknife and, and calling forth out of a piece of wood this most perfect elephant. You see the difference? 
a work of art. A work of art begins in the mind of the artist, in their imagination. The artist or the skilled person, whatever is, is making this, whatever this is, it, it, it's in the mind, imagination. They can see it and they're going to take their mind and their thoughts and the pictures within their imagination and they're going to imprint it into whatever whatever and, and and they they do they they take their tools like the little pen knife or the artist with his brush or the the plumber with his uh, wrenches and wh whatever it is that this skilled person they take their and and they with a workman of this nature would you understand me if I said the workman places their very self into the work? This is no person who's on the clock. It's no person who's, who's just waiting to get out of here. A, a workmanship that they place themselves into it. They, they do their work with love and care. Had an electrician here the other day at the ranch and... and um, we, we, we'd had a, a number, actually a telephone electrician, and, and there'd been a number, and it kept on breaking down. Uh, and this fellow came, and, and he just shook his head as he evaluated those that had been before him. He said, you know, we've got to take this out and start from scratch and do it properly. And that man, he almost caressed the wires, you see. He, he, he loved them. He put himself into it and stood back with pride afterward. That's workmanship workmanship his love came through his tools there's a certain union between the workman of this nature the workman and the product there's a certain union there's a certain relationship that takes place and in many of these areas uh, there is such a union that the skilled person will actually put their signature on on what they've done their signature and the signature stands for the very person uh, the, they put their signature to identify this is my work this is my pride. I put my very self into this. It reflects my wisdom as well as my care. It's, it's the same thing with the electrician who, having done his job, proudly gave us his card and said, when you need, you know. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, do you understand what I'm saying? God says here, God the Father says to you, you are my workmanship. He has poured his love into you. And he imagined you in Christ before the world even began. That's it. That's it. Um, and, 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 okay, put it this way. You are the picture on the canvas. Uh, I tell you, you, you are the, the repaired wires and pipes and you, you you are the resultant elephant of the little boy you're the you are what the workman did well think about it dare we said it's radical grace and 
What, what does the picture have to do with this except to show off the artist? Nothing. The picture made no contribution whatsoever except to come forth at the master touch. What does that elephant that now sits in my study, what, what, what does that elephant have to contribute to its being? Nothing except to yield to the knife of the little boy. You see what it is? Grace. It's all gift. We are, you are, all that you are by the hands of the artist. And your value, your supreme worth is because of who that artist is. God the Father is proud to put his name upon you, to join your name with his name and say that you are to the praise of his grace. That's it. That's it. You're God's work. Please understand it. I mean, look, he, he really spills over. Of all the verses we've read about grace, this really, really takes it, doesn't it? Um, in, in verse 8, it's saying what, what he's done in Christ Jesus. And now in verse 7, that he did all of this, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. I mean, that's piling on words, isn't it? Then in verse 8, as if you didn't get it in verse 7, for by grace you have been saved. It's all gift. And then in verse 10, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. So, it's grace. It's grace. It's the riches of his grace, revealing his kindness. You're his workmanship. That is what he's saying. He says, God did this. And of course, when we come to the first creation of Genesis chapter 1, you, you have it there. That creation is God's workmanship and you see it in Genesis 1 it begins with the chaos and the darkness um, the, it, it shows all of, of space just a nothingness like a great arid desert nothingness and then it says the word of God came into the nothingness and from the New Testament, we know that that word of God the Father is God the Son, Jesus. And he spoke, let there be. And it was so. And in wondrous, like a symphony of part upon part over a period of five days, it comes rolling every day, this, this magnificent work of art as all of creation to the nethermost reaches of space down to the micro-atoms of earth comes into being. He spoke it, he called it forth. On the sixth day, in the afternoon, he calls us forth. And in fact, the very words that are used in Genesis 1 and 2 to describe what God did, there's two words for create. One is to call forth out of nothing. But the other one, which is used to describe our making by God, is asa, which in Hebrew means really this word workmanship. It's to sculpt. It, it, it is to form and fashion and make as an artist. 
And it says he took the dust of the earth and he fashioned us and formed us, our muscles, our ligaments. And, and, and there he's going. Oh, in Psalm 139, David said he's still at it in the womb. He's fashioning us and he's forming us. We're about to have a little granddaughter in a few weeks time and we're getting the sonograms and it's a magnificent thing these days it's almost like hd television and and, and you see that little person inside the womb and you can almost see the fingers of god pulling forth eyelashes and and, and placing every little finger and, and creating he's a the workman who looks upon his work with pride and when it was done there back in creating days of genesis one god saw all that he had made and he said it was good it was very good it's an interesting word good it's an interesting word in english and the hebrew of the old testament um really uses same way good uh, it means beautiful beauty that harmony you know <laughs> what what is beauty it is that which resonates within us that it's right it, it's got correct balance and 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 it is pleasant it excites my senses beauty it resonates with everything within us to say that's as it should be and it's radiant with as it should be and it gives joy beautiful it's well pleasing to the eye it's delightful it's good good measure we say that means it's abundant it's prosperous it's everything, everything that it should be, bursting with potential. Good, the word means joy, cheer. It actually is used to describe a festive day. When, when God made, he said, it's good. It radiates with my joy. It, it's right. And it's supposed to bring a smile to your face. It's supposed to be moments of festivity just to look upon my creation. Good. It's excellent. It has value. It has worth. It's good. Good. Well, ultimately the word means love. It means grace. It means kindness. Ah, uh, it's all there. God saw all that he had made and it was good, beautiful, potential, limitless, excellent, a value beyond anything we could put value to. And into that, the most beautiful, the most good mankind who should rule over all that is, but before it even got started, mankind fell into terrible disorder, chaos. Like, like if you remember the old records, plastic records, and, and you get the needle on them, but if, if it scratches, it goes across, and there's an awful screech, and, and, and it's, it's like 
putting something across glass. He's making that ah. Instead of good, you 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 shrink back. There is something here that ought never to be. This is ugly. This is not good. This is is disintegrating, unraveling. This is sadness. This is brokenness. Loveless. Mankind fell into the awful disorder and chaos of the great lie of Satan that mankind should be his own God, should find life and meaning and purpose within himself. Mankind trashed himself. You know, the true artist can recognize beauty, worth, value, when no one else could. Many, 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 many years ago, back in England, I had a friend who was an art connoisseur. And we, for some reason, I forget why, but we had to visit this particular house. And it... it, the potential of the house you could see once upon a time it was a fine house but it had fallen into some disrepair and the people living there for whatever reason we were going um, had not helped the situation and as we went in and into the kitchen there on the kitchen window there was nailed a painting nailed a painting uh, the window apparently had been broken and so they had taken this painting and nailed it across the broken window and as we walked in my friend I I thought he was going to be ill he caught his breath I saw tears tears well in his eyes as he looked And he said to the owners or livers in the house, uh, where did you get that? They said they found it in the basement and the window was broken, so they just nailed it over the window. It turned out that it was a painting of vast value. And and my friend rescued it. And I thought much on it. I... I would have been sort of upset to see any painting stuck across a window, but he went beyond. He was broken. He said, no, 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 this has value. Do you see this signature? Do you see? And in their blind ignorance, these people had totally misused that valuable work of beauty and art. Do you see what I'm saying? Mankind lost all knowledge of who he is. Mankind trashed himself. Before we even really got started. We nailed across a window when we should have been in a museum giving joy to anyone who saw it. You see, what mankind in the book of Genesis never really came to was that the blueprint, which was before time, before creation, the blueprint in the mind of God 
was that we should image the glory of God. God made mankind not like the apes and gorillas and mammoths and no they 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 show his wisdom they show much of the glory of God but mankind was to reveal the very heart and person of God by imaging him and to image God means to be united with him I cannot image God like a mirror images though behold this is a union in which the very person of God is imaged in the human and God was not deterred by sin because the blueprint had been set before time before the fall it was declared as done he, he, God's love is relentless love. He will not be put off by man's unbelief. He will not be deterred by sin. And that's what chapter 1 is all about. Uh, I, I'd love to stay there. Maybe we will go back here. It's too good. But um, chapter 1. Okay, we're in chapter 2 right now. But now go back. Because chapter 1 is where really this all begins. He say he begins in verse two, grace, peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be this God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual or Holy Spirit given blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And that word there, chose us in him, means that, how can I put it? See, evolution is blind. The, anyone who believes evolution, they, they believe in the God called chance. And, and so I've no idea where we're going. We just move forward with no plan and no purpose. And when you hit a rock, you go to the left. And, and and if everybody dies, well, one survives, and so on. The whole thing is chance. But he says, no, there was a blueprint before time in which God made choice. Here in the U.S., we're coming up to elections, that word elect, and it means you're going to choose a president. Choice. God chose before there was a world there was a blueprint there's a purpose he's chosen to do something and what's he chosen to do before the foundation of the world that we should be holy blameless before him in love could spend another hour on those words before him it means face to face it means living in the radiation of his love it means eyeball to eyeball lover to lover he delights in us. And he said he predestined us. Oh, there was a destiny laid out that we should become sons, daughters by Jesus Christ. We should be adopted into the divine family. We should become, by sheer grace, those who fellowship with the Father in and through the Son, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, why on earth would he do that? You say, verse 5, it says, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's why 
Not because you were so jolly good he couldn't resist it. Before you were even here, he purposed it because to, to, to our incredible God, this is the best of all plans. The good pleasure, the delight. Oh, this is good, he said. And more than that, good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace that they should reverberate through unending ages the very beating pulse of deity that he is giving. He is grace. And you and I, it was his choice because he just wanted to. We'd have delight and pleasure in it that you and I would be the arena where his grace played out. And to all this would be done in Christ. And then in verse 7, in Christ, in him we have redemption through his blood. That is, now we're faced with sin that screwed up the whole thing. No, says God. We've got this covered. The grace covers because grace is in Christ and he's going to come and redeem it save it I could keep going but so's the clock oh son the word Jesus the one whose word we hear on the day of creation Genesis 1 that same word God the Son is now coming to bring the blueprint to pass. It has to. I say it again. He, God is not deterred by sin. God's not put off because you don't believe him. He's coming. And he's coming to bring to full fulfillment the blueprint concerning you and I that was set before creation. And so the word comes. Only, you see, this time, can, can you understand this? You should, because this, you will understand the whole Bible. The Bible begins in Genesis 1 with the first creation of this universe and of mankind, which was swiftly brought into shambles by the sin of man. And, and then there is the promise, immediately in Genesis 3, there's the promise that God would come and, well, I, I could use other words like he would judge it and there would be justice, but we've got the old Latin idea rather than the biblical idea that judge means to smite. No. God's judgment would come against Satan and the lie and against sin and against all that would seek to separate you from him. And he would bring justice, which in the Bible the word means to make everything gloriously right. And that promise is built upon and built upon and built upon and built upon all the way through, through the Psalms and through the prophets until you come to the New Testament 
And John begins the New Testament in John chapter 1 almost the same as Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made by Him, without Him there was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh. Oh, this is different. In the first creation, God the Word spoke, and creation is. But to restore that creation, we need more than that. The Word does not speak from the outside. The Word comes in to creation, inside. Now here's something different. Here's something different. He comes inside and he takes to himself the flesh of human creature. God, creator, becomes mankind. See, the gospel begins with mind-blowing miracles. And that announces the beginning of the new creation. So the first creation, Genesis 1, the new creation begins with a pregnant virgin. And within her womb is God the Son, who is taking the flesh of humankind, getting inside the mind and the intellect and imagination and emotions getting inside a body by which we humans express. And he was born through a birth canal and became a toddler and a young man. God, the Word, became flesh. The Creator actually gets inside the creation. What's this got to do with workmanship? Because it says we are created in Christ Jesus. This workmanship, this gift of God, first of all, to give us breath at all, it was his gift. But now grace upon grace that he's going to save us from the living hell that mankind made for himself. That's his workmanship that's going to be so good. How does he do it? He does it in Christ Jesus. That's the biggest words I could ever say. He does it in Christ Jesus. And who is Christ Jesus? Christ Jesus is God the Son who has come into our humanness, become creature human. He's God the man among us. True God, but true authentic man. Well, did, did you hear what I just said? You see, this artist, this workmanship is not. How can I explain it? You see, the artist, that anything we know about it, and even that I've been talking about, takes the, what, the clay, or takes the paint and the canvas, or whatever. Whatever he's going to work with. The plumber takes his tools and his pipes. and But this, this workman of this verse is, 
The artist in this case does not paint the picture. He gets inside the paint and he gets inside the brush. He gets inside the canvas. He is the painting. And by easing the painting, he restores it to what it originally was meant to be. He gets inside the clay. He gets inside the tools that shape it and he becomes the sculpture as mankind was always intended to be. Do you get this? This is why I say, and I've said it, I don't know how many times I'm sure on this program, we've got to be careful when we say that Jesus did something for us. Because although that's true, you've got to define what he did for us. Or you'll end up thinking he came like a remote artist and he painted the picture and left. No, what did he do for us? He got inside my, your humanness, my Adam. He got inside us. He didn't do something for us as if we're over here and he's over here and he does something for us. He came inside of us and what he did was inside the human race. Do you get it? Do you get it? He became, he got inside the wood. He got inside the saw and the chisel. And he is the resultant piece of furniture. He restores that item, which in this case is you and I, and indeed the whole universe. He restores it to the original blueprint from the inside. For he himself is that blueprint. And that's why, wherever you turn in the New Testament to the point where it seems at first reading to be redundant, it says everything you get is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And you feel like sometimes saying, Paul, we got it the first time. No, you didn't. I wonder whether we've got it yet. It isn't that God gave you forgiveness. The way he gave you forgiveness was that God the Son came inside your sin and personally from the inside released you from it. So you have release, you have forgiveness, but it's not a thing that was given. It's a person who became your very self to carry you to the Father. Forgiven. You became a child of God because God himself came inside to give you the gift of relating life. And on and on and on I could go. We don't get anything. The, the artist, the workman, you're his workmanship. This is ultimate relationship. Did you understand? I wish I could see your eyes. Do you understand? Forgiveness of sins, triumph over evil, sanctification, and all those words, love and kindness and goodness and forgiving of others, they're not things. They're, they're not little rules that you have. 
It's a person who comes into us. He is that love. He is that kindness. And we now live in this most intimate relationship with him. And our lives result in what they result. So the blueprint of what Father always intended us to be is achieved in Christ. And what? how did he do He came inside of us, the human race. He came inside of humanness, the what I call the Adam. The original human from whom all humankind originates. He came inside that and assumed that and took responsibility. And he carried that with all its rebellion, with all of its failure, with all of its sin, with all that sin produced, the whole curse, mess. And he carried it to death and you and I because we're part of that human we were crucified with Christ what a relief we were buried with Christ just to make sure we'd never come out again but you see he's so he's not doing that for us he got inside of us and he himself died and when he died we died and when he rose, we rose to a life that we couldn't dream or imagine before it happened. He's the artist. He's the workman who produces this work of salvation. Who produces this incredible work of bringing the likes of you and I into the family of God. He doesn't just give us papers he himself united with us, made our history, his history, and your history, his history, and said, we together are going to the Father. That's what it is. So you could say, as, as many persons who believe this do say, that we were co-crucified with Christ when he died. You died your death to sin and its authority and power in your life was accomplished at the cross. And when Jesus came out of death into newness of life, you came out with him. That's when you were born again. And when he sat down in face-to-face -face fellowship with the Father, you sat down with him. We are so one with Jesus we are called the body of Christ, and he's the head. I mean, has that ever dawned on you that should take away sleep for at least two nights? Do, do, you, do you understand? As surely as my body is united to my brain, you get it? So you are united to Christ. My brain and my body have the same life. My brain and my body are to be found in the same place. My brain and my body hold the same status. My brain and my body enjoy the same wealth. That's the union. That's the workmanship. 
And you've got to say, that is good. It's the goodest thing I've ever heard. It's a hundred percent gift for you did nothing. You contributed nothing to your being where you are right now. You are there by God's gift. And why on earth would he give for the good pleasure of his will? And so that the whole ages of ages in you and I might see the riches of his grace all accomplished in Christ or in union with him. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. I, I traveled around many decades ago with an artist and um, he, he would, would sell his paintings, depending. Uh, I, I forget how much he, but they went for a pretty good price. And um, I remember we were in one place, and this person, as Christians often will, cheapskates, they, they, they were saying, how much you, you charge so much for your paintings, whereas, they, I mean, it costs nothing. How dare you charge so much? And, and they, they went, they said, a canvas. What does a canvas go for? Just a, a few dollars. And the paints, what, I don't know how much they cost, but maybe $30, $40 in the brushes. I, I mean, really and truly, for $80, you could, that, that's all these paintings worth. And my friend, he looked at them and he said, yes, the canvas cost this and this and about $80, I suppose. And then he pointed to himself and he bowed and he said, the tools, $80. And he said, me, named himself, he said, I am $950. It's it's all in the artist. It's all in the artist. It's it's not all the stuff around it. You 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 are all about Jesus. He's the artist that has brought you into being. He's the workman that has produced this work. It's all about him. Not the stupid rules, it's not all the rituals of religion, it's not how many hours you spent in prayer or memorize the scripture, good as that may be, it's got nothing to do with this. This is grace. Grace that is God's 100% gift, and that gift is Jesus. He has produced who you are. And when Jesus said on the cross, said, he shouted on the cross with a great shout that rolled through the surrounding hills, it is finished. What was finished? Your salvation. It was done. So (laughs) I opened my eyes to it is. Oh, this is so frustrating to religion. I can't do anything. It's been done. It's finished in the person. And while religion cops about the canvas and the paints and the brushes, we're interested in the artist. And this artist got right inside of us and did the job. It is so. 
So the Christian life is becoming who we are. And don't frown at that one. Every little baby becomes who he or she already is. That full human is wrapped up inside the baby and the baby's life is the story of becoming who he she is. It's done. It's finished. And yet at the same time we are emerging into a full understanding of that. It's all gift. Can, can, can you get your spirit around that? Can your heart hold that? It's all gift. It is done. And it is done in the ultimate artist, Jesus, who is here to demonstrate and image the very heart of the Father. And to give the Holy Spirit who brings this incredible news into our lives. Grace upon grace upon grace. It's all gift. And until you see it, gift. Then nothing else really matters. It says that it would be unto good works. But the moment you think it's through or because of good works, it's done. You can't. You've lost it. You'll wander in a wilderness until you come back to see any good works, any beautiful works, any works that come under the heading of good works are works that reflect the grace, the givingness, the love, the kindness, the gentleness, the tenderness of the God who only gives and gives and gives. Well, if, if, it's, if it's all gift, then my only response to it can be faith. <laughs> There's nothing left to do. It's all done, so faith receives it. But let, let me tell you this in the last minutes I've got, that the faith itself is a gift. You can't even boast in having great faith. Sorry about that. It says, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith. What does it mean? Put it this way. If you've ever thought of this, God believes. God's faith. Jesus says it in, what is it, Mark chapter 11, have the faith of God. God believes in his love blueprint. He believes in his purpose. He believes that it's the only purpose. It's the ultimate wisdom. It's the power that shall overcome and outlast all. God believes. Father and Son and Holy Spirit believes in his purpose. It's his faith. Unshaking never moving when all hell is pitched against that purpose the father quietly unassumingly believes in his purpose and that purpose enters creation in God the Son and God the Son believes in that purpose and believes 
that he is the one who shall bring that purpose to pass inside creation, inside our lives, your life, my life. And the Father believes in the Son, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit believes in Jesus, the faith of the triune God. And in that faith, Jesus assumed responsibility in the way I've been describing for our sin and our brokenness and our separatedness. And through the cross and through death and resurrection, he achieved the purpose. And it says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the shame. He endured the cross. You you see what... Why? He believed when Jesus entered death, no one had ever come out of death to live forever. No one. Jesus believed that his father would raise him from the dead. Jesus believed that he in his person and obedience would take away sin and crush Satan's authority. He believed that with perfect belief. That's why he cried, it is finished. And when he rose and announced to us that we rose with him, and when he ascended and carried us with him, and gave us the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit, believe that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ when all this is revealed to all ages. God believes. So our faith rides on his faith. I don't sit here and try and believe and believe and believe and believe and try and in my intellect try and understand and believe. All you get is a religious headache. I believe in the Father's faith. I believe in the faith of Jesus, Son of God. I believe in the Holy Spirit's faith in what He's doing in me. So that Paul says, I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Oh, stop trying to have faith. Ride in on the faith of Jesus. You see what I mean? Boy, I hope so. Because that too is grace, you see. Radical grace. It's no wonder religion hates what I'm saying. Because there's no trying here. You don't struggle. The moment you start trying to be like an absent, remote Jesus, then you are ignoring, repelling, repulsing, ignoring and frustrating the grace of God. Because grace says rest. And rest the whole point that you rest in the faith of God that through Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you are saved into the presence of the Father. So now you work that out. He says you are, you are thus created. 
created, you've been fashioned, made, sculpted, and that's been done in, in this union with Jesus, unto, or with the result of good works. Good. Those works that reflect and expound and exegete the love of God. All that he has put into you now takes form, fashion, and blossoms in and through you. A harvest of love in all the multitude of blooms that love comes forth in. See, the gospel is not about you going to heaven. I mean, P.S., you are. But you're you're going to heaven because you're already there. The gospel is that you're the recipient of this incredible grace in order that you now live that grace in actions, behaviors, words that reflect the beauty, the sheer goodness of God in this here and now as you walk about and walk around. I know how difficult this is for some of you. You've been listening to this program long enough to know that you're out of religion and legalism. I suppose you'd say you're in recovery and and, and you're, you're still in the repent mode which you know the biblical word, you're in the mode of beginning to think God's thoughts. You're beginning to get inside God's faith. You're beginning to see how what God's opinion of you really is. And you're beginning to separate away from the opinion of yourself about yourself and the opinion of others about yourself and the opinion of religion about you and you're beginning to rest in God's opinion of you, God the Father. You're beginning to see who you really are, his workmanship. And you're beginning, oh, what a revelation. You're beginning to see your true self in the face of Jesus, who has joined himself to you forever. You're beginning to rejoice in the Holy Spirit, who is right at this moment bringing you to realize who you truly are and to give you the ability to be who you are. And of course, totally for another time, but I throw it in. If you see yourself here, then you'll begin to see everybody else there too because Jesus embraced mankind And this gives me a foundation now to have an authentic love, an authentic seeing of others as they truly are in Jesus Christ. Well, there it is. I've done... I had something else for today. And last night, this came to living living word in my spirit and then this morning sitting on our porch shared it with Nancy and she threw in so many insights and revelations she had and I just knew we had to do it tonight and so I trust it has been one of those God's love arrows right into your heart 
And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the giver of all grace, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His blessing permeate your life. Eyes be opened to see who you truly are in your union, shared history with Jesus Christ. So I bless you as you walk around and about in your life this week to the glory and the honor of this incredible God. So I bless you. And that is the way it is.